You are now listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Doc, sharing insights through real, honest, and practical ways to improve your communication and relationships. Featuring your hosts, Dr. Pamela Kreiser, Meredith Edwards Nagel, and Taylor Palindo. Okay, I think we should all start with a story. I'm going to go first. This is how I was educated about money. My mom used to go shopping at Nordstrom, but she didn't want to get busted for the purchase. So she would keep it in her trunk and then she would later put it on like the day she wanted to wear it. And then when my dad would say, hey, is that new? She'd go, this old thing? And then he'd feel like maybe he didn't notice because he wasn't paying attention. (laughs) Have an article of clothing in my car right now. Making notes. I love this. So that was what my mom, and she said it technically, she's had it for a few weeks because she kept it in her trunk. So then it's not new. (laughs) Do you hide it? A shirt. No, I don't hide things. I just have been feeling bad about it for some reason. I have a shirt in my car right now. I've had it in the car for like a week and I, we're doing something this weekend and I was like, I'll just wear it then. So there it is, folks. That's my story. So that was how I was taught about money. Oh, my God. I mean, we were taught lots of other things, of course. Yeah. All right. Who's next? Meredith, that is your story. (laughs) I'm horrified. Like, I'm actually red in the face. I I already wanted to say in the beginning of this, like, we talk about so many intimate things and, like, conversations and communication and relationships just from this podcast. Why is this one already making me so nervous? Like, I don't want people to know what I think about money and how I'm not good at it in some areas and okay in others. I'm also like, well, I'm not that bad right you know you do all these like things in your head i don't want people to know any of this about me you guys to talk here and i'm just gonna be quiet and listen with the audience so okay so no story huh i I need a minute taylor unless you have one i dated this guy very briefly and he was a very nice guy however money got totally in the way of our relationship It's so silly to me. Okay, we're like fresh out of college, so no one's got a lot of money. But I worked at a restaurant, so I had cash Mm -hmm. tips. So it felt like a lot of money. And he was doing like an unpaid internship. So I would often pay for things, and it really bugged him. I don't care if someone wants to pay for me on a date. I'm not. We have to split it 50-50. I honestly don't really care if they want to pay. Go for it. But I just felt like, you know, at this time in life, we're at a, a little bit of a different place, so I'll kind of float you right now, kind of thinking when he has a good job. Yeah, it'll come around. Or yeah, I, I just didn't think it was a big deal, but it was a big deal to him. Mm. Him making it a big deal then became a bigger deal to me. My God, I can't buy an In-N-Out burger for you. Like, But <laughs> I met my husband while with that guy. So, oh. <laughs> so, so that. Okay, so my story, which I can't believe I didn't think of this right away. Taylor named somebody I dated. You don't oh my even gosh. refer to this. You don't even refer to this person no, he uh, by a name. And name. I, I think he's probably a good person. And I didn't date him long enough to know too much. So I, I pray he has no idea about this podcast. But um, <laughs> literally, Taylor nicknamed this guy I dated, named him thirty dollars. If we ever that talk about someone name. I dated, she calls him thirty dollars. And this is why, Doctor K. Do you even know this story? I remember this name. Long story short, I'm like 26 years old at the time, I want to say, and he's a, a easy like 34. And he calls me one night on my way to law school and is like, hey, how you doing? Like, I know you're in school. Like, I, I mean, sorry to bother you with this. And we've been dating Taylor. It was like three weeks at the time, I think. 
just want to yeah, know if I could like yeah. borrow thirty dollars. And I was oh, like, yeah. what? I like kind of giggled. I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, no, I just like get paid in a couple of days, and I just like needed to get something. And I was like, can that thing wait? What protein powder? Wasn't it protein it was like powder? Pro- it was like you don't need something to ask ridiculous. This girl you just met. And I was like, yeah, you could like talk to your close friends or family. No, I'm gonna go to class now. Do you give someone another chance for this? Like, how does this work? Like, I went out to on two more dates with him. It's gonna be a no for me, dog. Like, <laughs> I couldn't get over it. <laughs> I could not get past it. Okay, all right. So, let's really get into this now, right? Yeah. Tonight we're doing money conversations with an intimate partner. So not just yeah. like a casual dating relationship, not a friend. This is someone you're like going toe to toe with. You're you live with them, like long term relationship, married, you know, whatever. One thing we do on this podcast, right? We ask for a friend, and this was brought to our attention because right. I have a friend who has a solid relationship with a wonderful person, and basically this person told me that they have this financial scale of expectation for what they believe someone should spend on them during the holidays. There was a tension because the person that my friend is in a relationship with is, Hey, I'm not like that. Like I thought I took you to a nice dinner. I didn't need Mm -hmm. to like also spend X amount of dollars on you. Yeah. And so that's why this topic. Yeah. So they well, had the conversation? Yeah, but I don't think it went super well. So I think it's they our had the job fight here. Yeah, it's our job here to break down like why this even matters. Why does it matter to have good conversations with our partners about money? You know, Taylor? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say one of the reasons it matters is because two out of the top 10 reasons, according to marriage.com, reasons for a divorce are trouble with finance and lack yeah. of communication. Yeah. So we're just going to I mean, combo those and say our lack of duck. communication around our trouble with finances. We should probably be talking about it. Our failure to talk as well as our bad communication about the subject. Mm-hmm. Both yeah. are operating, I think. Yeah. Because what I was thinking when you were talking, Meredith, is one of the times that people talk about money that turns negative is when they get into an escalated fight about it. And then they decide to do it right then. We're going to just go through finances right then at the restaurant or at the birthday party or whatever. Checking out. And one of the first pieces of advice I'm going to give is if it organically appears and you can productively talk about it, fantastic. Mostly you're not going to have that. Mostly you're going to have the tension-filled moment that escalates and you will have the challenge of finding a time to have that conversation that's a productive one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, as much as I don't want to get intimate or share any of my feelings on this subject at all, like I said earlier, that's me, a thousand percent. This has to be a planned conversation. I cannot organically do this because I know that I don't do it well and I don't like that. So then I get frustrated with myself and I make it worse. So I have to go like, oh, we're having a conversation about money. Let's have a coffee. I have to know that Mm -hmm. that's what we're going to do so that I can like chill the defenses and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And we find, my husband and I find that when we get into that escalated pattern, we're not productively solving it. But on the contrary, Mm -hmm. when we schedule it and say, let's get coffee and talk about this at 10 tomorrow or whatever, we find that we don't carry the emotions from the first interaction with us. Yes. So we're just way more stable. Don't you plan twice a year your finance talk? No, no we talk about cars. The cars. Oh, okay. yeah. The cars I love twice that. A year. <laughs> twice a year. But we don't even fight about cars anymore now that we have two times a year we talk about it. What would happen was car would break down, there would be a scarce resource, and we would have an argument about why we still have this car. And we wouldn't do anything proactive about it. So now it's all reactive, all escalating. 
And then we're in an a argument about how long to keep a car. And you know, I wanted to sell it. And now I'm going to use that against you because it's a $2,000 repair. And that stresses our finances. And I don't appreciate that. And you should have listened to me. And I, you know, blah, blah, blah. For us, we just schedule it. And then now it's nothing. Well, December so 1st is coming up. That's when we're scheduled oh to gosh, talk about it next. <laughs> Before we dive even more in, though, Taylor pointed out for us, you know, as we were preparing for this, to refer to our flags series, but specifically Red Flags episode eighty. Mm. If you haven't listened to it, um, yeah, because if this isn't even a conversation that's allowed on the table at all, yeah, like maybe ding, 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 something light bulb moment, you know. Mm-hmm. So check that out. I thought it was interesting doing some research on this. Forty-nine percent of people don't discuss how they'll handle money before they get married. Wow. 41%, only 41% tell their partner how much their salary is. That's and crazy. And only 36% say how much debt they have. Mm. What? This is before marriage. Like, that seems crazy because I don't know if it's because we live in the state we live in. Yeah. No, you're going to take on half of that more. debt. Yeah. If you're in a yeah. property state, you better freaking tell this shit. Yeah. Yeah. But I just thought that was kind of wild that people are not talking as transparently as I assumed you would be. Wow. Okay. Like the first three months Tommy and I were dating, he said something jokingly about like credit. And I was like, yeah, like my credit's great. It's fine. And he was like, well, I like actually want to know what it is. And he showed me his on his phone. And I was like, what? I would never in my life had a man show me their credit score. And it was so good. <laughs> I was like, this is- <laughs> I know, like yeah. a um, high yeah, credit score, green flag in your life. Yeah. <laughs> so three months into your relationship, you talked about money. He did. But you met when you were a little bit older because when we got married, I was 23 and he was 25. We did talk about money before getting married, but I wouldn't say we were good at it or understood money like we do now. I mean, I owned a property before by myself. Was like, right. Yeah. Taylor called me out when we were getting ready for this podcast. I'm going to just throw myself under the bus. Okay. Because she said that some of this research basically is telling us that people that are struggling with this are struggling with accountability. Mm. Well, that was my question. So a lot of the research we're looking at, the first thing that they ask is if you do joint or combined finances. Yes. And that's like a big question for people. Yes. And I wondered there seems to be a huge push for separate finances most people i was seeing kind of lean that way and i wondered is it because they don't want accountability because they don't want Mm. someone seeing how much i spend on my haircut and my nails and my shoes and my coffee it's the little things they're like you know if it's a big purchase of course we talk about it so what is it about these small purchases that you don't want them seeing every day research does say though that couples who join their finances are happier and have longer lasting relationships. So I thought it was kind of interesting. It's like Dad, perceived like, independence. And that's your last cling to that, maybe. Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking is this perceived independence. You want to keep some identity piece of yourself. And you're like, well, this is my money and I work hard for it. And I understand that. But it was the people who shared their finances. They had a better way of, I guess, just combining and having like a joint mentality. And they tend to use words like us and we over time. They said resulted in higher satisfaction. They were happier, long-lasting couples. So when I was thinking about why we don't want to talk about money, I found a bunch of different reasons. What do you think are the reasons that people don't want to talk about money? We're not used to doing it. Mm -hmm. People don't want to admit that they don't have it. It's uh, keeping up with the Joneses. Like, I don't have as much as X. I don't want to talk about it. Or as much expertise in the topic. That's something that I have felt earlier in my life. And it wasn't because my husband made me feel bad. He just did no more. 
Yeah. And it, then you feel like you're not really at the table because maybe you don't have the expertise. But on the flip side of that, I've heard different people say, oh, I'm just bad at math, so I can't talk about money. Well, money's still a thing. And we heard how impactful yeah, it yeah. can be in relationships. That used to be my out. That, that fails to work later in life. Yeah. I can relate with that. There's a lot of things that I feel like Ralph is explaining to me, especially with investing. And God, if I have to have him explain drawdowns to me one more time. <laughs> not have that conversation. But it doesn't mean that you don't have something to offer because he's told me some things he has and I'll come up with good solutions to problems. Mm. So even though I don't feel like the expertise in our relationship on finances, I definitely think that you can always add something to the conversation or have a different perspective. I think sometimes people don't want to talk about money because they don't want to feel restricted. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about money because I'm a spender and maybe you're not a spender or you're a saver. I don't want to talk about it because then I'm going to maybe look bad or feel like you're trying to control me or, I mean, you can almost get into like a parent-child thing. Yeah, well, you know, I could see if you're sitting down with someone and they're laying out like, oh, here's my savings, here's my budget, here's all this. And then you're like, oh, well, here's all my debt. That could be Mm. maybe embarrassing for you. When one party brings in debt and that might put a strain, I think that can be a a reason to struggle a little bit talking about money. But I think you can't really change the past. So there's not much you can do about the debt besides figure out how to pay it off going forward, which is the future. But I hear people say sometimes, oh, it's, I don't want to talk about it because it's debt. It's going to be here even if you don't talk about it. People say they'll avoid talking about money because they don't want to have a problem not addressed. That's a massive problem. It sounds yeah. like you're calling me out on my shit and I don't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> Feeling triggered? Very triggered. So can we get some solutions? Because I just feel super (laughs) triggered. (laughs) How do we do this better, people? Because I'm just sweating every time I have this conversation. Is that just me? It's just you. Yeah. So I did a a little research in three areas. What to talk about, how to talk about it, and when to talk about it. Right. Okay. So the first question is, what do we talk about when we're talking about money? I think Uh, goals. goals. Yeah, goals. That definitely. Yeah. Committed partner conversations. Yeah. Where are we going? Yeah. And how do we get there? That's my view of that conversation. I would actually argue that that starts with talking about the past. Because I think if you're getting into a long-term relationship with somebody, you would want to understand what was modeled before you, what your parents modeled, and how you think about money, and how that is influencing or not influencing who you are today as as a money manager. Yeah. That financial history is a big thing. For example, let's say you grew up with a dad that said, you have to ask me for any big purchases over $500, they have to go through me, you know, and grew up in a household where that was the case. So then you would maybe carry that expectation into your new relationship, but they might not have that expectation. So then they spend over $500 and you can't believe it because you would always clear that with your partner. You would never go off and do something crazy like that. And I think those historical roots need to be examined to see how they may or may not show up in the current and future relationship. What if you grew up in a household where the person says, well, I make the money, so I I spend it. Or I make the money, I make the rules. Yeah, like, you know, there are couples like that, right? Who say, if I'm the only one working with getting a paycheck, if one only one has the paycheck and they say they get to decide how it goes, how it's spent. But some people will say then make the money in a disagreement or I make the money, I make the rules. That would get me so hot. Well, people get hot over these topics, right? Not the I good mean, it's, kind. It's, no, <laughs> not the good kind. Not the good kind of hot. Um, in this conversation about what to talk about in money, I think talking about who makes more or who has more 
is not going to be very productive because it's just showing differences. One of the approaches, if they do separate finances, Mm -hmm. is just doing a percentage. You know, we each put in 10% of our paycheck towards this and we each put in 50% of our paycheck Uh towards this instead of a, well, I put in this much and you only put in this much. Yeah, I like that. I think another thing to talk about is obviously expectations. That shocking statistic that you talked about, Taylor, where this large percentage of people haven't talked about any of these matters prior to getting hitched. I am worried about that expectation category because you could get married and expect to go on a nice vacation or have fancy dinners or whatever. And I know we're going to get into this a little more in our next episode. So I think all of those things are really important to talk about parameters. And some of that is embedded in the history again. So as we're thinking about it, that history will inform us. And I think a question you could ask yourself is what is normal to me to go on a fancy vacation every year what's normal to me to have 10 percent of my paycheck being saved what's normal my parents never talked about money in front of anyone or never talked about it when you and i come into those committed relationships i think it is important to say what's normal and that helps us understand what we need to still talk about i really like that i've never even thought of that as a conversation yeah my husband and i did not do premarital counseling after he had a pretty negative experience with it his first time but we Mm -hmm. did this workbook and there was a whole chapter and they asked the most mundane what I thought were kind of silly questions yeah but but that's what it was it was talking about every little thing well Mm -hmm. who buys dinner when you go out how often do you do this who what the holidays the holidays were huge yeah how much money do you spend on each person do you buy a gift for all of your friends your coworkers, your family Mm -hmm. yeah those are all really important and I find when I looked around at my status quo of my friends' relationships and hearing their issues, that's what it kind of sounded like to me was the heart of most of their issues was they didn't have conversations before and they just had a ton of assumptions going in. Yeah. Like, well, I'll come home and you're going to have dinner ready or I'm going to, you know, I always drive. Yeah. Really things that doesn't right. really matter. But if you didn't talk about it and you had an expectation, it's going to upset some people. Yeah, Here. for sure. That's a good point. I think the final thing that I would say in terms of what to talk about is I think for any any of you out there that maybe have a situation where you feel less educated or one of you feels less educated, I think a very constructive thing to talk about is just how finances work generally. So whether that's listening to a podcast together, maybe listening to this podcast will stimulate some conversation. Maybe watching a YouTube course on finance or reading a book together, or like you did that workbook together. And I think that's an interesting way to, instead of just say me versus you on the topic of money, let's get educated together. In all honesty, yeah. I think I admire a little more how my partner deals with money than how I do. Yeah. Um, It would feel good to be like, hey, we're both learning something. If one of your goals is to buy a house, maybe start listening to some podcasts about how to finance that. Yeah. You know, and start educating yourself. And that's something that I would say as much as I, I mean, I think I understand numbers pretty well. I don't know that I understood finance so well with the background in liberal arts in communication studies and my husband's business, right? So automatically we didn't have the same information. And so I felt I played a lot of catch up in my thirties for sure. Okay. We've talked a little bit about what to talk about. The next thing is how to talk about it. And that's a really challenging thing to think about. So one of the things that I saw pretty consistently is to get rid of the word you and talk about I. So I language, talk, talk about what you think and feel, but stop saying you, you, you. And I thought that was a pretty good one. What do you think are guidelines for how we should talk about it? I think I'm going to borrow Taylor's brain and guess what she would say, which is avoid superlatives. 
don't say oh, yeah. always. Yeah, like, that's really you good. always X. You always mm-hmm. do this. You never this. I mean, there's you in mm-hmm. there too, but always and never. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Taylor would pick that and I would with her. Yeah, I like that. So avoid the blame. Avoid the superlatives. Don't use money to manipulate the other party. So that's something that the person who makes more money might do. They might say, if you want to be the decision maker, you make the money. And that's, you know, a negative. Red flag. Yeah. (laughs) Red flag, for sure. Okay, and this one's going to be challenging after we talk of what the price is of something on Amazon in a previous episode. But the other thing that is a guideline is don't lie. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I'm not... episode did I confess my sins on that you just took... Anyway. I don't know, but I think we lie. I think we equivocate. I think we embellish. I think we minimize. Define equivocate. No, I can't do that word. Equivocate is where I say something so that there's multiple possible meanings for it. And I might equivocate rather than give you a specific so that I know you might think another thing that's different from the truth. That's where I might use equivocation. Uh, So just creating confusion, basically, over the conversation. Not confusion. You know there's multiple ways to interpret what you just said, but you're not going to clarify what happened. You're going to leave it vague enough so that there's multiple possible meanings that could be attached to that thing. Maybe we'll do an episode on equivocation. It's a fun topic. We've talked about a number of things to not do. Don't lie, don't equivocate, don't minimize or embellish. Just be transparent and really talk about what you need to talk about. The other thing that I've heard a couple different suggestions, one is to communicate regularly on this topic. And I don't know if that's a scheduled thing, but once a month doing a check-in maybe, something like that. And I think that would take the pressure off of feeling like it all has to be talked about right now because it's the one time we're talking about money for the year. And I don't think that's a realistic way to manage this this category. This is, a, this is a really helpful tool for me. I'm taking this one to the bank. But you could also have the monthly talk and say, we, I feel really good about what's going on. Just getting the habit of doing it. Like for mm-hmm. me, the, the person that needs this scheduled, even if it's light, I just still want it scheduled. I don't want to be surprised by the conversation to know mm-hmm. that it's on the calendar. If it's one or, twi- one or two times a month, that's 12 to 24 times a year. By the end of, I feel like the first six months or year of doing that, I feel like I could become so much more relaxed. Yeah. Because it's something I've done so many times. It's hard to armor up that many times because we armor up when we get into that fight about the money and it's like, I'm not, you, 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 you know, and we're going to have this 48 times. (laughs) I don't think I want to armor up all those times, right? I I like that though. It's disarming me just knowing it's going to happen that much. Right. You know? So, right. I like that. So let's talk about the last one, when to talk about it. I think people try to talk about it when it appears, when it's in its escalation cycle. So the money gets brought up. There's a big credit card bill that comes home. There's a big expense. There's a disagreement about, you should have told me about this thing, whatever causes us into this fight about money. And I think the mistake that people make is they try to handle it there. Fair. If you're in an explosive argument, do you think that's going to be productively managed? This category that's going to always be a part of your relationship, right? We, we know the answer. And so that gets us back to about that scheduling idea, right? And saying, I'll be happy to have the conversation if, if it organically appears. But if it appears as an escalatory conflict, I need to seriously consider scheduling a time to handle that. Or maybe even better is to have a, a planned conversation always about it. You know, a check-in, a money check-in. Yeah. The big thing that relates back to this is sometimes big things happen like layoffs or pregnancies or car accidents, you know, big things happen that have big finances attached to them. And I think it would be a mistake to get into a giant conflict 
when those big things happen, you already had the car accident and that's a stressful thing. And then now we're going to argue about money on top. Mm. So don't compound money with other conversations. Like this is, if you, if you can't do it in a healthy way, make this a separate thing. I think so. Yeah. I I feel like that's fair. Because I think it's better to say, are you okay? Like we can deal with the money part. It doesn't have to be this second, but are you okay? Not this car crash is going to cost us 10 grand. What the hell? Mm. We'll figure it out. Let's talk about it tomorrow or whenever the time is, but it's not the time to talk about it at the hospital. Not the right place and time. That's a perfect example, though, of like family of origin. Like it totally affects mm-hmm. this conversation in so many mm-hmm. levels, positive and negative. And yeah. it's hard when, I don't know, those, those family of origin things are so conflicting with your partner. You know? Yeah. It's like you've got to create a new thing. Yeah. But the idea that you'd talk openly about it and even talk about how we talk about money is sort of another conversation. So you could make some observations and say, I've noticed that when we talk about money, we argue. And I don't think that's helping us. Is there a way we can start talking about money that won't be like that? And starting to talk about what what would be a setting that would work a little better? But my comment is, I don't think it works in that crisis moment. And maybe it comes down to, we're going to have money stress that's going to happen. So it goes back to that thing we've talked about on this podcast, which is proactive stress versus reactive stress. Mm, I love that. So I know having a regular conversation with you about money might be stressful, but that stress is going to be better than the reactive stress when we haven't talked about it. And now we are in a crisis or have a problem. And now we have to talk about it here and it might have a lot of blame in it. Okay, Tommy. (laughs) (laughs) You sound exactly like my husband right now. I love it. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. It seems like less stress, even though it is stressful to have that conversation. Yeah. It's less stressful than the bigger conversation when your emotions are heightened and now you feel like I have nothing. Yes. That's the rare conflict avoidance in me on this subject is Mm -hmm. if you don't talk about the bear, the bear isn't there, you know. (laughs) The head. But I think that's the beauty of what you were saying about how to do this is this is a solution is like sometimes if you're exposed to something so much you you get used to it right it's like so like mm-hmm. if you're scared of this money topic or it feels too big but you learn something together you have it a scheduled thing often like it becomes less daunting because you do it more so maybe yeah. the first few times it's super awkward i already know i'm gonna try this the first few times it's gonna be real bad i'm with you and it being real bad if you're there too but i think we just do it a lot and then it gets better Yeah. And I think saying to your partner, I want us to be better, or maybe even being vulnerable about it and saying, I struggle with this topic with you. And I want us to have regular conversations. So this becomes normal. And this will be our new normal that we craft in our connection with each other. Well, I guess the bow that we're putting on this episode is we started by saying you're informed and trained by your history, but you write the rest of the chapters. And that's true about money. You write the rest of this story. And you don't have to just repeat the patterns of your parents and you don't have to go on uneducated because you just don't like the topic. You can write the rest of the story. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Please remember to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. And thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Our email is hello at afafpodcast.com. This show is for educational purposes only and is copyrighted. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. Thanks for listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Talk.